Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can stay connected with the show and see what's happening in my world at karenhager.com. And if you want bonus pictures of yarn and knitting and my new loom, I just got a new little rigid heddle loom. I have no idea what to do with it, but it involves yarn and it thrills me. So for bonus pictures of yarn and looms and puzzles and cards of the week and all kinds of stuff, you can follow me on Instagram and I'm at Fog City Psychic over there. So can you create more joy and more meaning in your career, even if you don't love your job? What if you didn't have to wait for the perfect job or the perfect group of people in order to be happy? Well, my guest today is Beverly Jones, and she says that you've got more power than you realize, and you can start to make changes right away if you're unhappy. On today's show, she'll hear some practical strategies to help you find more satisfaction and more success on the job and also in your life. So are you ready to meet her? Beverly Jones works with leaders to spark engagement and productivity in their teams and helps professionals to thrive in their careers. Her clients include leaders and professionals in businesses, universities, and government agencies. She's also a visiting fellow at the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Service at Ohio University. Bev writes and speaks about issues related to leadership, collaboration, professional growth, strategy, and well-being. And her new book, Find Your Happy at Work, is a guide to finding joy, meaning, and success at work, while at the same time motivating your team. Her book on career resilience, Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO, is available around the world. And her podcast, Jazzed About Work, which you can find on npr.org, features conversations and stories related to careers and leadership. So you can find out more about Beverly and all the things she's doing in the world at clearwaysconsulting.com. Beverly, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen. I am so glad to be with you today. I know we're going to have some fun here. Oh, thank you. We were already having fun before we started recording. And that's how I know that's how I know it's going to be good. The fun has already begun. I was sitting with my youngest son and he is uh, almost 19 and he's looking for his first real job. He's getting done with his associate's degree and it's ready. He's ready now for the first real job. He's done a lot of like summer things and part time things. And now it's now it's the real thing, the grown up thing. And he was looking at job openings the other night. And he said to me, you know, I I don't see anything here that I'm absolutely in love with. And I heard myself saying to him, it's a job. You're not supposed to love it. You're just supposed to do it. And as I said that, I kind of then like put a hand (laughs) over my mouth because that's what I learned about work. You don't have to like it. You just have to do it. You get through it so that you can do the things you want. And I couldn't believe I said that to my kid. So our expectations about what work is and how we'll feel about work probably shape how we go out into the working world. So what do you think about that? So much of our experience in our careers 
is the result of what's going on in our own head, in our own attitude, the way uh, the mindset we bring to work. We really do have a lot more uh, ability to to change our experience on the job and also to put our whatever job we're doing at the moment in the context of a more meaningful career. So there's a lot you can do to enjoy your work, uh, even if um, the job isn't perfect, even as it if it's not your dream job, it can still be a, a meaningful and often enjoyable part of your life. When you're looking for a new job, should should the one of the criteria be, I need to be in love with this every day and know that I'll be in love with it every day? I don't know if that's realistic. It's not. And it. I think your challenge for yourself is to create a career path that's meaningful for you, that has some value, that gives you an opportunity to add value, uh, that has moments of fun, uh, that has uh, opportunity with for engagement with other people. You want a meaningful, uh, enriching job, but no job is fun all of the time. And I think very few people are in love with their job. There are some, but very few people are really uh, in love with the job. Although there are a lot of people who are in love with their career or aspects mm-hmm. of their career or their calling that they find ways to incorporate into their job. It's I a think I, a complicated picture, you know? Well, but it's, I can see layers of meaning in that because for me, like with the work that I do, I'm in love with my calling. I'm in love with my career. I'm in love with what I do, but I'm not always enjoying every moment of all the things that need to be done to make that bigger picture happen. So it's kind of about, and one of the things I got from reading the book, this is kind of about learning to look at the big picture and the day-to-day and kind of deciding uh, where you want to put your focus, a more holistic view. That's exactly right. You have so many choices in the way that you approach your work, you approach your day, you approach your calendar, you set your mindset, uh, you engage with other people, um, and, and you can be kind of methodical about creating a shift if things aren't going quite right. As we have moved through these pandemic times, we had that that big space in the spring of 2020 where people's a lot of people's work changed a lot. And as we're now dragging, we're a year and a half into this, and it feels like it's going on forever, I'm hearing from people who are saying, I'm I'm sick of this. This isn't what I signed up for. I don't enjoy this anymore. I can hardly drag myself in front of the computer screen or drag myself into the office. Uh, When you hear that from people you're working with, what guidance do you have for them? I mean, does it get to a place where if you have to, if you're having to drag yourself in all the time, you should just stop? Well, there are a lot of things you can do. One thing is that there's so much exhaustion and burnout and confusion. And it, right now, so many people are sharing. And it, partly, that's because we've been afraid, we've been worried, we've been uncertain because of things related to the pandemic. And so, you know, one thing, if you're feeling like that and you don't know what to do next, it's partly a signal that you need to take care of yourself a bit. It may not be the job so much as that you have you have a 
many reasons for feeling kind of exhausted. And it's a time to address your physical well-being, your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being. It's time for you to take care of yourself and to find a way to fit that into the context of your career. On the other hand, I think it can be a signal for action. A a lot of people um, discovered um, during the pandemic, for one reason or another, that maybe they weren't even on the right path. Maybe... um, this remote work means there are other things they can do. Maybe it's time for a change. So I would say be open to change, that change could be the way you approach your current uh, career path, or it could be um, time to look at new things. And you can explore both of those options at the same time. So if you're kind of down, I, I can give you a list of little things that you could do this week to start feeling better. But in addition to adjusting how you're feeling, it might be time to start thinking about the future, either uh, tweaking the job that you have now, which is possible very often, um, or looking at other opportunities, or studying up on both of those options at the same time. And it, And none of this is something that has to happen right away. Right. There's I think part of how we make ourselves anxious and upset and and kind of get into where we're making snap decisions is when we feel like this this has to happen right away. I have to make this change immediately. And there's usually more space than that. There is a lot more space and very often relief comes the minute you start planning, the Mm -hmm. minute you take those first steps. It no longer seems hopeless. As soon as you start working towards something and develop a cadence, a regular cadence of of small action steps that'll kind of take you toward the life you want, then all of a sudden there is a a tendency for things to, to calm down. You're on the path. You can build in some relaxation and you can include self care and having fun as part of this path as you kind of slowly a um, little bit at a time, move to whatever the next phase will be. The trick is getting started, doing just a little bit at a time. And allowing yourself to receive that self-care. Mm-hmm. Because especially if you're working in a in a job where so much of your life is work, it can start to fit. It's like a, you know, a tunnel that gets dark, progressively darker and narrower. It can feel like you can't allow yourself self-care because of how awful the job is or how awful the boss is or how awful that lady who sits next to you is. And so there's a allowing is a big part of this too. Yes. And, and, and some ways to begin are to get serious about taking breaks. People, human beings are not constructed to run endless marathons and we certainly aren't constructed to sit in one place and do the same thing over and over again for long periods. We're better performers. We're more creative. We're more positive. If we do things in spurts and, and do what we can to structure them in a way so they're as interesting as possible, and then break it up with either um, a nice solid break or a different kind of work. So one of the things I talk about in the book is how your your calendar isn't just some list of meetings that other people put on, which we often start to feel like we're a captive of other people's wishes and that's all our calendar is. Your schedule is, is more like a contract with yourself in which you can take portions of time, whether it's the time, your best time for doing really deep work that you could really get into 
or regular breaks. You can you can look at the structure of your day. You can uh, take a com- uh, make a commitment to take care of yourself with um, making sure you get out and walk around during the day, or you connect with other people. So, taking control of your calendar and not just letting other people's um, demands shape how you live out your day is one good way of getting started to uh, kind of start to um, have better control of your own um, mindset and, and, and level of enjoyment. In the book, you talk about how we can find um, a spirit of playfulness at work. And at least for me in the work that I do, one of the things that helps me feel more playful is to have given myself a break, to be a little bit more rested, to be able to see things with that greater perspective. What are some ways that listeners can make their work seem more like play? I don't think you mean like laughing hysterically and artificially as you as you could. No. I don't think you mean like that. But how can we find more playfulness? Well, think a little bit about um, things that are fun. If you like board games, uh, sitting around with other people and learning things and doing things fast and, you know, notice what you like about that. Notice what you like at different parts of your life and and then try to create some of that activity um, during your workday. One of the things that's a component of most play, whether it's a board game or a tennis game, is that we like to get better at something. We like to build expertise. We like to learn new things. And learning, when you learn a new thing, you get this little bit of a boost the same way as if somebody gave you a gift or an award. So one thing that you can do to kind of build in some happiness, some joy, is to, is to add some learning activities. Another thing you mentioned the breaks is if you just get outside for a few minutes, there's all kinds of research that suggests that even looking out the window at the nearby park can make you feel better physically. Your blood pressure may go down. Your heart rate may go down. And if you can actually go outside and connect with um, nature, even if that means looking at the birds on a city street, that can help you feel more in tune with the world and that can make you feel more playful in the in the sense that you're going to have a a mindset of enjoying things um there's so many ways that uh working with other people or just thinking about people who are going to benefit what from what you're doing or thinking about the people you're working for can make work feel more enjoyable that's another way to bring some of the good things of play, you know, when you when you have that sense of flow and your things are really cooking, but that's that's the kind of play that you sometimes want from work. You are listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Beverly Jones. Her new book is Find Your Happy at Work: Fifty Ways to Get Unstuck, Move Past Boredom, and Discover Fulfillment. And you can find out more about Beverly and her work at ClearWaysConsulting.com. One of the places as I was reading through your book where I stopped and really like dug in felt into it was the chapter about creating a statement of purpose uh, about writing down getting clear about personal values and how that can kind of then support your path moving forward can you talk a little bit about how getting clear on those personal values in fact sort of allowing ourselves to realize we have them how does that help us 
having a sense of why you're working makes a tremendous difference in how much you're going to enjoy it. And then having a sense of the of your purpose in working and of the mission of the organization or the mission of, uh, uh, of the job itself and, and, and working toward alignment can also make things feel much better. One of the things that really works is, is simply, um, in, in the book I have a bunch of questions you can a- ask yourself and you can write answers about, but ask yourself, why does this, why am I working at all? Why am I in this job? Uh, what is the purpose of the task that I'm doing? Who benefits? Who are the stakeholders? Um, what mission does this organization um, embrace? And are there ways that I support that mission and can tie what I'm doing more closely to those good things? What's the value proposition here? What do, what do people care about here? Are they really trying to serve other people? All of those kinds of questions, if you write about them a bit um, and can come up with um, a statement, a, a, um, a person I talk about in the book had, can I, he's, he was in the hotel business and he had managed lots of people. And he decided whether he's talking about guests or talking about dishwashers in the kitchen, he had one mission every day. And his mission was simply make everybody feel like a somebody. Mm. I mean, that really you know, says so much. Not all of us, I, I can't be so succinct, but having a sense of, of why you're working and what values you're going to hold dear as you approach any challenge or encounter with other people throughout the day, that can make it all feel so much more meaningful. And I can see how that would also give greater clarity as you are looking at, or I guess, sorting through things that then are not aligned. If my core value is making everyone feel like a somebody, I'm not going to be comfortable in a job where I'm required to shout abuse at the people who work for me, for example, as part of the corporate culture. That's exactly right. Having a sense of what are the things you hold dear can help you decide either um, I can change my behavior here, I can make a shift, I can go to another department, or maybe this is the wrong place for me. Um, And if it's the wrong place for me, that doesn't mean you have to quit today, but it means today I start planning my next move. And part of my purpose each day is going to be doing, serving, of my clients or my bosses, whoever, while I'm here, but at the same time, taking these steps to work toward a more meaningful career for myself. Mm. With that in mind, I wonder if you would say a little bit about the sugar grain process oh, that yes. you that you talk about in the book. I super loved that. Um, so, so can you kind of lay that out for us? I, I, I would love to. I, um, Years ago, I was uh, um, at Ohio University, a sort of the campus feminist, you know, in the sense of trying to get programs opened for women at a time when many doors were shut. Mm-hmm. Among other things, I became the first woman in the MBA program. And I was doing a lot of speaking, and I had been a journalism student, so I was on the radio and I did some writing, and I, I, I was... Um, 
getting very discouraged. And I decided I had to do something to make my contribution more meaningful if I couldn't change things. And I, I remembered something that happened when I was about 14. I had a very early job working in a fashion office and doing a little bit of uh, modeling of you know, tween clothes around. Um, and I got paid minimum wage, which was heaven, you know, at that age. But I had to uh, stay very skinny, I thought, in order to do that. And I was worried because in my family, for any occasion, whether it was getting home from school or uh, a party or somebody being sick, my New Zealand parents celebrated or commiserated with lots of cups of tea. And as kids, we drank a cups, uh, a cup of tea with a lot of milk and maybe three big teaspoons of sugar. So one day I was thinking about this job that mattered so much to me and how I could be thin and make sure I could keep this job. And I looked at my heaping spoonful of sugar and thought, I, um, I can't um, get rid of sugar, but if I just took one grain, it'd be a little less sugar tomorrow and I wouldn't even notice. And if I took two grains the next day and kept doing that, gradually I could learn to drink tea without sugar and that would be healthy. And that's what I did. It took months and months, but I learned to do things one grain at a time. So back to Ohio University, when I was working on all these issues, I knew very little about changing uh, companies. I knew I was very young. I didn't know much about anything, but I said, all right, I'm going to do one sugar grain of activity every day to support the proposition that women deserve the same kind of education and will perform at the same level as men. And um, I started doing sugar grain every day, I ended up being hired by the president of that university to write a report on the status of women. And then when Title IX finally came along, I was hired to implement it for that university. And I did it all knowing nothing but just every day trying to think of one little thing I could do. And I've been doing that with clients ever since, you know, um, one, I just have told myself through many crises and have told clients through many crises, just do one sugar grain. And if you can keep up a cadence of just doing a little, you can get to just about anywhere you want to go. Oh, that resonates so strongly with me because I love the idea of those little micro movements that we can make that lead to, that lead to lasting change. Now, for listeners who want to find the book and want to connect with you and find out more about what you're doing, how can they find you? Well, the book, of course, is um, uh, you can order it from just about anywhere, including your local independent bookstore um, and all of the, the big places like Amazon and um, all the others. Uh, the book is Find Your Happy at Work. And um, so you can, um, I think, find it anywhere you would find a book. <laughs> And if they head over to clearwaysconsulting.com, what are they going to find? They will find, well, a lot of my blog has been taken out because it was too much like the book. And so, you know, publishers don't like you oh. to give it away. But I have quite a bit of, quite a few uh, posts there. Um, and there are links to uh, a number of articles I've written in a bunch of places. And there are links to the um, uh, Jazzed About Work podcast, which is on npr.org, as you said. But it's, you know, all the other places where podcasts are. So Jazzed About Work will give you interviews with people who are passionate about their work. And in many cases, they have a lot to share about how other people can be passionate too. Oh, I love it. Beverly, thank you for sharing some of your wisdom and, and your insight and just the, and those little sugar grains with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Karen. I loved it. That is Beverly Jones and her new book is Find Your Happy at Work, 
50 Ways to Get Unstuck, Move Past Boredom, and Discover Fulfillment. You can find out more about Beverly and her work at clearwaysconsulting.com. You can check out her podcast, Jazzed About Work, on npr.org and everywhere that fine podcasts are available. And you can connect with me, of course, at karenhager.com. You can find out about upcoming classes and events and even book a private session there if you're so inclined. You can follow me on Instagram. Did I mention the yarn? There's yarn um, at, at Fog City Psychic. You can check out my little baby YouTube channel where I'm starting to put the podcast audio only for now and who knows what's going to happen later. And don't forget to take a deep breath. You're loved. You're seen. You're not alone. Thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.